0: detroit strange
1: welcome back to detroit strange
0: this podcast
1: that you're listening to right now that's jess over there
0: and that's alex over there i was like three times in a row or something i know Maybe. I haven't actually been counting, but it feels like three. It's a hat
1: trick or a turkey, depending on what sport analogy you would like right now. Is it Grand Slam three or is a Grand Slam just like a, a good a good thing?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. I, Can you know, hat trick the, is hockey. But is a Grand Slam when it's out of the park? I think it's not just...
1: No, that's not a home run. A home runs when you get around the bases. Yeah,
0: home runs around the bases. So I think yeah. a Grand Slam might be like it's out the park.
1: I know it's also a breakfast option at Denny's.
0: So. Mm-hmm. As is moons over my hammy. Oh no! <laughs> I don't know why I. Know. I've not been to a donnie's in so long, but the name of that dish Denny's. delights me so much. I use it regular, like I use the joke about it regularly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I almost went to a waffle house this Ooh. weekend. I've never been to a waffle house.
0: Oh yeah, on your trip. Yeah. Okay. It. I mean, they're fine. That's they're, the thing. Is they're like novelty.
1: That's the thing. Is what everyone sounded like. It was just kind of like. You have to at least once.
0: Yeah.
1: But like we decided that this weekend was not the time.
0: I mean, yeah, if you've only you got a
1: delicious tacos instead.
0: A, that is a and much better choice. And it is a good road trip. Okay. Food. You know what I mean? Like oh, you're I driving bet. and yeah. like you just need to stop. You want some eggs and bacon or whatever. Yeah. Go to the Waffle House. Have your eggies and bacon. Yeah. Uh, But other than that, I wouldn't necessarily say go out of your way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's. Again, experiential.
1: Yeah, I will someday.
0: Yeah, but you've been you've been to similar places. I am 100% oh, absolutely.
1: sure. I, like when we were talking about it. I was like, well, I've been to IHOP before. And they're like, it's kind of the same, but not really.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Which not a huge fan of IHOP.
1: It was just like the only thing that was open in Grandville, Michigan at mm-hmm. one in the morning.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mostly went in college uh, yep. as well. So I totally get that. <gasps> a friend of mine stole a mug from there in college. I love that. Mm-hmm. I think we're out of the Statue of Limitations on that one, but... <laughs> oh, I mean, like, I feel like that was
1: such a thing in college. Like, I remember we had, like, a twisted lemonade glass from Fried? Nope. I think Red Robin. I don't mm-hmm. know. Whatever, like, this swirly kind of, like, looks like almost like a tornado-shaped glass and it has, okay. like, a red stripe on it.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it didn't make it very long in our apartment, though. It broke pretty quickly.
0: I mean, that happens, too. That's why I apparently got to take them.
1: Right. <laughs> They're not meant to last. We do not. They're condone there for a theft. good time, not a
0: long time. Yeah, we do not condone theft. Though. not at all. That is not, not what we're about. Detroit's change would like to clarify that we do not
1: condone stealing things from places.
0: No, Mm-mm. unless it's hearts.
1: Right, <laughs> steal hearts. Maybe a smile. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can steal a smile.
0: I mean, maybe steal a glance. You can. Steal you a can glance. steal a glance. Yeah, yeah. you can. Steely Dan,
1: you sure can. Uh, I don't know why Steely Dan reminded me of the show I started watching this week, but have you heard of the show Gaslit? No, it's on Stars. Stars, Stars. (laughs) It's like the cousin to Stars. Yes. Well, like I like ended up subscribing to Stars. Stars. Sorry, because. I watched a video like this YouTuber I watch who does a lot of Bond content, does other stuff besides Bond, and he Mm -hmm. watched Inglorious Bastards. And I haven't seen that movie probably since it came out. Same. That was a good movie. Mm -hmm. The only thing it's on is on Stars. Oh, okay. So I go through the process of like signing up for Stars, downloading the app. Mm -hmm. I get into the app and I'm like, what's this Gaslit show? And I end up watching all like the first four episodes of that instead. Ooh. And I haven't watched Inglorious Bastards yet. But Julia Roberts is in it, which I never see her on TV show. It's like, I guess it's more of a series than a TV show. Yeah.
0: I mean the world of TV and movies is really starting to intertwine a lot now. Oh for sure.
1: And just like this is about it's in that th- that vein of like biopic kind of series. So Julia Roberts is playing Martha It's about Watergate. Oh okay, yeah. So like I I saw The Drunk History.
0: I saw The Movie Dick. Okay. <laughs> With Kirsten Dunst and, uh why am I forgetting her name? She's a phenomenal actress. Oh, Julia Stiles? No. no, it's Kirsten Dunst, and she started on Dawson's Creek. She's done a million movies since then. I'll it. She was married to Heath Ledger. Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams, thank you. Yeah.
1: Yes. That's so, what I know
0: about Watergate.
1: <laughs> so this is another, like Watergate- so she played Martha Mitchell, the wife of John Mitchell, who was the attorney general for Nixon.
0: Okay.
1: And she was known for being outspoken because uh, she didn't like the Vietnam War.
0: Okay. I mean.
1: Nobody really did. The amount of like crazy straight white dudes in Watergate, like, cause I, you know, I never really knew anything about it and like, don't really know much about Nixon other than he resigned. Yeah. Um, uh, be the first in line to admit my ignorance. And I was talking about with someone and it's kind of like that stuff happened 20, 30, 40 years before I was born. So it was like too recent to be in history books. I feel like, but not recent enough where I really know about it. So I'm trying to be better and like educate myself. Yeah. But also it's not the easiest.
0: This no. show is helping,
1: which I'm, I was going
0: to say, I have a very surface level knowledge of it.
1: Basically the democratic national convention, the DNC, mm-hmm. Was in the Watergate Hotel. Yes. And the Republicans, or at least the Nixon candidacy party, whatever, mm-hmm. were like legit spying on them, like doing espionage. Yeah, there like was like Breaking into and, the yeah, Yeah.
0: I know about the tapes mostly.
1: Yeah. And so they're doing all this shady stuff. They get caught. And they were smart enough to plan who was breaking in. Like they hired some like random Cubans so they couldn't be like traced back to. So a scapegoat. Basically, Yeah. yeah. But Martha knew about it and she was outspoken. So like they basically like hold her hostage for like the 48 hours after.
0: Oh, wow.
1: It's like real fucked up. Yeah. But yeah, it's fascinating. I'm starting to try and learn more about that whole period now. Because I literally just didn't know. It's real scary. I can see why people did not like Nixon. Oh yeah, and his like ideology and like the people he boldened. It's like an interesting point in time too, because Ronald Reagan is starting to come up mm-hmm. at this time period, and so it's kind of like Republicans that are obsessed with like domination and power mm-hmm. versus the Republicans who are like crazy Christians trying to just shit on everyone who's not them.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kind of
1: just the more towards the Republican Party we know and hate today.
0: Yeah. I mean it it it, 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 it's very strange how like the Republican Party and the Democratic Party have both like altered since their inception. Yeah. Like there's been, you know, drastic, drastic changes on both sides. It's bizarre to think about. Yeah. I don't know, politics is wacky.
1: It really is. In general.
0: Politics in religion mixing. Yep. Very wacky as well. I just like problematic right now as well.
1: fucking It just seems like the Republicans are willing to kind of get in bed with anyone to mm-hmm. get power. Mm-hmm. And so they'll be like, sure, we'll believe your fringe, crazy religious beliefs because we want you to vote for us. We mm-hmm. don't really care how crazy you are, but just vote for us because we'll be in power and we'll just tell you things.
0: Mm-hmm. That reminds me, I'm watching a show, but it's a weekly release one. So it's not like, yeah, you know, I have to wait a week. Uh, called under the banner of heaven okay which is it's a it's a true it's based on a true story i believe from the 80s actually yeah uh, so not too too far i mean not close yeah. but not too far and it takes place in utah and basically this particular show follows a mormon police officer who is investigating a crime and it kind of gets involved in lds fundamentalism uh uh-huh. uh as far as like perpetrators and things like that and it gets real deep into the fundamentalist like mormonism yeah and uh just kind of how sometimes when groups have these really intense leaning far leaning one way yeah like idealisms idealism ideology yeah ideology how harmful that can be (laughs) yeah uh and it it just kind of reminds me of that in a similar way of like in religion, in politics, and, like, whatever. Like, anytime there's people of power abusing that power. Yeah. For, like, uh, these very strong, very polarizing beliefs. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It for sure is. hmm As I am learning from this show, and it's... So there's four episodes out right now, and I think there's another four to come. It's a weekly... Kind of
0: okay. So same thing. Yeah. yeah, I just
1: happened to catch it halfway through.
0: Okay, see, I caught this show in the first round, mostly because I mean I saw Andrew Garfield was in it, and I was like, yes, please. Like I love Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Yeah, I will watch whatever Andrew Garfield is doing. So yeah, uh, I didn't know I was a fan until recent until that came up, and I was like, oh yeah, I am a big fan.
1: <laughs> you think it was Tick Tick Boom?
0: It was Tick Tick Boom for sure. He was so good in that movie. He was. That's that scene of. This is the life of Bobo Bobo. Bo.
1: I love that song and that scene.
0: I will put it on if I'm in a, a dark place sometimes. And it it's, it's just... good to have songs and like
1: clips like that. I have a yeah. whole playlist on YouTube called Quick Me Ups of just like little clips or videos or songs that just kind of when i need mm-hmm. a little pick me up. You know,
0: I had I had a list like that, and I don't know why I haven't added to it in like years. Like yeah. I think there's like two videos on it. Yeah, and that's like it. But I should start adding stuff to that.
1: I'm just trying to as I think of it. It's just nice to have a quick little, like, oh, yeah, well, this will help at least distract me or pull me out of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes you need that. Yeah, but yeah, uh, serious television. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been getting more into serious television, but I say that also. The other release time schedule show I am watching right now is the newest season of The Circle. So okay, <laughs> I also need my trash. what are we on now? Four or five? I think it's three. Okay, yeah, they had uh, other countries. Gotcha. I forget which ones. Because the Spice Girls are are like
1: Sporty and Baby aren't this one, right? Or not Sporty, uh, Scary and Baby.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I
1: like saw that and it like almost got me to like check it out, but I'm like.
0: It's interesting. Okay. It's a fun watch. The one thing that they, that producers do is there's no consistency to like how the eliminations go. Yeah. Like they, they mix it up all the time with like, here's this twist and here's this new twist. So it doesn't flatline in that way yeah I wouldn't call it good yeah uh, but I am entertained when I am watching it
1: and you need shows like
0: that yeah it's a really good uh my mind can't do too much right now show
1: I 100% get that mm-hmm. I've been for me that's been random YouTube videos and also I ended up like signing up for like the Switch Online expansion pack so you can get like the N64 games on your Switch. So I've been okay. playing through Ocarina of Time again for like the 12,000th oh, yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I played that game.
1: Yeah. I'm it's always one of my excited when
0: I actually know a video game thing. Yes. <laughs> I'm like I know that one. Look yeah. at me.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I've been playing that. I also planted an herb garden this week, which I'm pretty happy That's about. That's awesome.
0: I love an herb garden. I've never been great at keeping them. I was ham Ambitions of doing it again, but I haven't done it in a while.
1: This was a compromise between, I was like, cause the first couple of times I did a garden was a vegetable garden, mm-hmm. and that's just too much. Yeah. And I'm like, herbs, herbs seem manageable. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how it goes. What I got some got? nice basil.
0: Okay. Yeah. Some yeah.
1: oregano. Yeah.
0: Nice.
1: uh Two different types of lavender. Love it. Which I don't know if there's really kind of spice herbs, but they're in my garden.
0: So. Lavender is an herb. Okay. Yeah. You can make tea out of it and I mean all sorts of things. I don't know why I went with tea, but you can make stuff. Okay. I know per our friend Mike Boone. Yes. Uh who was talking to us a few weeks ago about lavender. I know that there's like the pretty kind that's just ornamental because yeah. it doesn't have much flavor, but I don't think it's like toxic or anything. it's right. edible. It just doesn't taste like anything. Right. And then there's the edible kind. Okay. Yeah. But no matter what, I mean, like you'll at least have some fragrance.
1: Right. Also have some rosemary. Nice. Some thyme.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think. Got nothing but thyme, baby.
1: A, <laughs> I don't know. I also got some lemon balm, which I also don't know if it's an herb or just smells nice. But I was like, maybe this will keep bugs away.
0: I think it's an herb, maybe. Yeah, I'll, put it, I'll try. putting. I bet there's lemon balm tea. That sounds like a thing I've yeah. seen or read. Yeah. I mean, most... I think herb means like it is edible, It just might not have a high use. Okay. Because otherwise, it would be like toxic plant. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I think I don't know. But
1: did get don't. Um, this is
0: not an herbology. Oh, not at all. I guess so. Don't take take all of that with a grain of salt. Yes.
1: Uh, not at all. But I did. Oh, I also got garlic and shallots.
0: Okay. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love shallots. Not, a not big,
1: shallots. Um chives
0: love chives too. i had
1: shallots in my thing but i swapped them for the lavender because i'm like i can just buy shallots
0: yeah yeah and then you have to dig them up and all that yeah. kind of thing chives you can like chop yeah chop chop absolutely yeah i love your herb garden if you have too many of something ever just i got
1: three basils so there'll be plenty of basil to go around this summer fantastic i love me some basil i just mm-hmm. like i made penny arrabbiata this week, which has a lot of basil in it. I'm like, I'm going to make this all summer.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll just put basil on oh, yeah. any savory food pretty much.
1: Oh, yeah. Or make a caprese salad.
0: Oh, love a caprese salad. I'm just
1: going to have...
0: Nice balsamic reduction.
1: Absolutely. I'm just going to always make sure I have mozzarella and tomatoes on hand. And then I've got plenty of things I can do with that. And nice. balsamic. Balsamic easy to have on hand, though.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely. Actually, I don't have any, but yeah. Yeah. I haven't for a long time. I think I overdid it on balsamic a little bit, but I still like a caprese salad. I just don't put it on anything else because I got really into like caprese and then like portobello mushrooms
1: Ooh, yeah, you know, cooked
0: in balsamic. Like everything was cooked in balsamic. I do that with foods, though.
1: I 100% understand. This is the first time I've made penne arrabbiata in about a year because I like made it like three times in a month. And I was like, I can't eat this anymore. Yeah. Especially when like. You're cooking for like one.
0: Yeah, because you're eating it from eat multiple all, meals. Eat, yeah.
1: You're cooking for one, eating for 12 days.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I definitely struggle with that problem. Yeah. We should, we should meal swap. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly where I was that. going with that. Cause that's exciting then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I love doing stuff like that where like I'll make something, give you half, mm-hmm. you make something, you give me half, and then we both mm-hmm. have different food.
0: I've done that a couple of times with people, you know, for short amounts of time, and it's always a delight. Yeah. And it makes the cooking more fun, too, for some right. reason.
1: It's so much more fun to cook for people. To share. Yeah, yeah, because then it's like, here's the thing I made. Let's all see how it is together. And mm-hmm. then, like, it's kind of like when you're making it, you're thinking, like, oh, I'm doing this nice thing for my friends. Or, like, yeah, you
0: know. Cooking is love.
1: It really is.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: Well, before I get... Any more hungry talking yeah. about this food. I know. Uh-huh. It's dinner time. I know.
0: Would you like to hear a story? I would love to hear a story.
1: All right. Have you ever heard of the Train Hotel?
0: Heard of a little bit. I know there was also a Fort Train, which I'm assuming that was named after, but I don't know in, like anything else.
1: Okay, cool. Just to get a little overview. Mm-hmm. It was also known as the Mother of Motors. Oh. It was the forefather of Detroit luxury hotels. Oh. It was like the first like luxury hotel in the city, really. Okay, And then it was super influential in its time, but it only lasted 13 years.
0: Let me guess. It was built during the Depression? Nope. Okay. Ooh.
1: Yeah. Interesting. She's different. Ooh. Ah. Uh... It's uh, located in the corner of Cadillac Square in Woodward, and it's like where the first national building is now.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It wasn't the first hotel to be located at that spot, actually. Okay. The National Hotel opened at the location on December 1st, 1836, replacing a schoolhouse and doctor's home office that was there previously.
0: Okay. Get out of here, kids and God,
1: yeah, doctor. Yeah, we need a hotel. Mm-hmm. So this was a time when the population of the city was only about 9,000 people, which I cannot imagine. No. That's tiny.
0: Probably like time of the ribbon farms and things like that, too, where people are yeah. like more...
1: Yeah. Spread out a little bit. Just settling the land kind Mm -hmm. of thing. So this hotel would change hands over the years with each owner leaving their mark on the building by either remodeling it or adding to it. Which would continue until 1857 when the hotel was leased to a man by the name of W.H. Russell, who after putting his touches on it, opened it in September of that year as the Russell House.
0: I wonder if that's what Russell Industrial Center is named after and Russell Street. Possibly.
1: I think there was a Mayor Russell, too. Oh, okay. Like, there's, there was someone in the story who was cousin with the Detroit Mayor, and they went in together to either build this hotel or the, the Poncher train. Okay. The Free Press had the following to say about the opening of the Russell House. Quote, It is first class with comfortable elegance everywhere abounding. And that, in all respects, the house is a credit to its projector, to the city and the West. Because I think at the time this was considered the West.
0: I mean, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Before the Louisiana purchase, mm-hmm. there's mystery and manifest destiny.
0: Yeah, um, that's yeah. where my brain was going.
1: Oh yeah. So the Russell House will become the city's leading hotel and center of the Detroit social scene for like nearly fifty years. Okay. It's where you went to to hear the hot gossip about the Civil War. It's where you might rub elbows with European royalty like King Edward the Seventh, although he was just Prince of Wales at the time and Grand Duke Alexis of Russia.
0: Oh.
1: Or humanitarians like Lady Jane Franklin. Okay. So it's kind of like the hot spot.
0: Yeah. Where all the happenings are happening. Yes. Where would that be now? What? I wonder where that would be now.
1: I mean, I think for us, it's Planet Ant.
0: That's true.
1: (laughs) I think it kind of depends on your scene. The scenes have diversified enough. That's true. There's not like one single hot spot.
0: Yeah. There's a lot going on all the time
1: yeah, the city's bustling
0: Mm
1: -hmm. more than 9,000 people now. Can you believe it? (laughs) So at the time, the building was kind of a shapeshifter, like growing and adapting to the city's increasing population until it just couldn't keep up any longer. Mm -hmm. And this happened around the turn of the century. So around the 1900s, just for an idea of how insufficient the Russell felt compared to the population growth, the population had reached around 370,000, or about 825 times greater than when it was built, or when it opened.
0: Wow, you know? that's yeah. a lot of increase. Yeah,
1: so just kind of like, not cutting it anymore, we need something else. Yeah. So the new hotel was announced in the free press on May 19th, 1905, with the headline, Detroit will have a magnificent new hotel. Ooh. The new hotel was said to cost $1 million, which was about $25 million when adjusted for inflation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like that might need more adjustment based off of what's been happening the past two years, but. <laughs> Fair. And adjusted for inflation for 2019. Okay. I think this article was written. But uh, it also claimed that the new hotel would, quote, rank with the very best in the country and do an enormous amount of good to Detroit as a city and serve as a monument to the public spirit and the enterprise of the men
0: behind it. That's a lot put oh. on a hotel. Oh my
1: God, just wait. There's so many quotes about this hotel. You think this hotel was like going to cure diseases or like <laughs> they were just nutting over this hotel. I mean, given it's not even built yet and they're already this excited about mm-hmm. it.
0: There's going to be a fantastic new hotel.
1: It's going to be amazing. It's going to be
0: the beast needs. Oh, yeah. It's going to bring people from New York and Pennsylvania.
1: The big cities. Yeah. Russell House had quite the send-off, though, in November of that year, 1905. Mm-hmm. And it said that people were taking everything that wasn't nailed down and that, quote, patrons had to wade out through broken bottles and glasses. Ooh. Yeah. So people were just like, all right, it's getting getting demolished let's just tear it up
0: Mm. people are wild
1: yeah (laughs)
0: people also kind of
1: saw this as like the passing of an era like this is like ushering in a new in a new era of Detroit and leaving the like older and gentler ways behind like 1800s Mm -hmm. isn't that quaint (laughs) Mm
0: mm-hmm
1: This sentiment was very apparent in a quote from Judge Robert E. Fraser, who saw the Russell's destruction as a sacrifice to progress, saying, quote, The ever-expanding, pulsating city has outgrown it. We no longer need it. Tear it down. Let loose the pick and axe and crowbar. Attack it at the top. Let every blow contribute to its destruction. Tear it down. Like all over things that stand in the way of progress, it is doomed. Tear it down. What do we care for the past? It is nothing to us. We only have the present and future. These old memories live only in sentiment. Sentiment is dead. Tear it down.
0: Okay, how did that building hurt him? I know. I'm like, what <laughs> the fuck? It, like, it is not sentient. Uh <laughs> right. Like, it's a building, girl. Calm down. What did it do? Oh,
1: maybe he had his got rejected too, one too many times there or
0: something. Yeah, or, or somebody died there. I don't know.
1: Something, but he was just like very into tearing it down. Yeah. And the new train nope, Hotel wouldn't take long to go in its place. The demolition of the old hotel started in December and construction of the new commenced in January of 1906. Its foundation, which was made from stone from the Rockwood, Co- Rockwood, Michigan quarries, was in place in August of that year. And so during the construction, it was the talk of the town, because of course it was, if they had that much buzz already. Mm-hmm. It was to be the most opulent and biggest hotel in the city. It was the biggest construction project, and the second in cost only to the old Wayne County building, callback. Oh, mm-hmm. We know how expensive that bitch was. Yeah. Four million pounds of steel went into building the skeleton of the building.
0: Okay. That's a heavy
1: yeah. building. $300,000 was spent on furnishings, which is about $7 million today. So it was to be 10 stories tall and taking up an entire city block. The building also reached 40 feet underground, which made room for a large basement level that housed switchboards for almost 400 phones, which was more than most towns had at the time. Wow. It also boasted that all the air and water in the building would be purified with filters, which I was like, it's 1906. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, like they just blown it through cotton. Like I'm not like, you know, I'm like wondering how advanced these uh, filtration systems could really have been.
0: I wonder if they knew about like carbon and stuff, though. you know what I mean? Or, um, I don't know. I feel feel like charcoal. That's what I meant. Charcoal.
1: I don't. I feel like recently charcoal has just become buzzworthy. So I'm like, wonder, I don't know.
0: Yeah, but buzzworthy doesn't mean like discovered. You know what True. I mean? It just means that some True. like health nut somewhere found it and put it on their blog. And then this other, you know, it, like the way that stuff matriculates now, it's very.
1: Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the things now are kind of like. It was kind of like some of the stuff was like, oh, this is just what we used before we developed all those chemicals. Yeah. And now we're like, oh, we don't need all these chemicals. We can just, you know,
0: use the actual.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting, Mm -hmm. like kind of seeing that change, and because like even watching Julia of just like processed foods and like shelf stable stuff that like was really applicable. Like I understand why they did all that in like the 50s mm-hmm. and 60s, because the population growth, but also like,
0: well, also too coming out of the war, war, yeah. Like there, there were reasons for those things, and there, yeah, you know, and cars weren't as prevalent. I mean, people yeah. had cars, but they weren't like they are not. You know, yeah, there's just like a lot of differences. Yeah. yeah,
1: but the moral of this being, this place was Luxe. The free press said at best when in 1907 they reported that quote no expense should be spared to make it the very best hotel in the country and none has been. Ooh, la la. Just a list of luxuries. The light fixtures were Tiffany. They had lace curtains brought in from Ireland, rugs from the Far East, and satin damask furniture. Okay. Damask.
0: Like Damascus, is that?
1: I think like damask. I can't remember like. I can picture what they're talking about.
0: I, th- I can see it too in my head.
1: Yeah. Whatever you're picturing, you're probably right. Yeah. And they were really trying to drive home the point of how Luxus was because they, they picked the name Pontchartrain, which just comes from French royalty. Mm-hmm. So Count Pontchartrain was the French minister of marine affairs in 1701 hmm. when Antoine de la Mothe Cadillac mm-hmm. went to Paris to get the king's blessing to the, explore the Great Lakes region. Okay. Apparently, Pontchartrain was the man Cadillac went to and was like, if we don't do this, the British will. And that was all he needed to say to get the approval to come settle here. Wow. And Cadillac, being the brown noser he was, decided to call the original outpost in the city Fort Pontchartrain. They are due Detroit.
0: Mm-hmm. I so I knew that. Yeah. Maybe from um,
1: some other story we've done, probably. Maine Rouge,
0: possibly. That's, yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's kind of where the name comes from. And this isn't like there was Fort Poncho Train. This was Poncho Train Hotel. Mm-hmm. And there's currently a Fort Poncho Train by Wyndham downtown.
0: I have seen, okay, I've definitely seen it. Cause when you said that one was that this built hotel the was no more, I was like, yeah, I thought I'd seen it somewhere, but that makes we'll sense. we yeah, I later. know exactly which hotel there's you're talking connection. about now. Okay. Yeah. Well, all the hotels now are by a company, but. Yeah, they're calling back to a, like either a former name or something right. historical Which in is the kind city. Of, I mean,
1: and part of me likes it, the calling back to history,
0: but part
1: of me is also like, I'm just like thinking back to this Simpsons episode from like the 90s or 2000s where they're going to Africa for some reason. They're like, Zanzibar. Just kidding, new Zanzibar. Just kidding, Pepsi presents new Zanzibar. It's not the name of the country. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it has that vibe a little bit when it's like this by, but I also get it.
0: Yeah. And I have mixed feelings as well. Yeah. So
1: the hotel is finally opening. It is October 29th of 1907. They hosted a fancy dinner that night before letting everyone in 8 p.m. to see the luxury of the new hotel. The Detroit Saturday night newspaper reported that, quote, Nothing has transpired in Detroit for many years that has been of greater significance or more important in the city's development than the opening of the Hotel Ponchar train. It can now be said in all truth that Detroit has a hostelry as beautiful in its appointments, as modern and complete in its equipment as any in the United States.
0: Okay. People loved
1: this shit.
0: Yeah. I mean, tourism's an industry, Yeah. I mean, it's like
1: the flowery language of the early 1900s is excessive.
0: Victorian. uh...
1: Like 2022 words, just it's lit fam, you know, and that's probably like that's even outdated these days. I don't know what the kids are saying.
0: I have no idea. Absolutely no idea.
1: Yeah. Kids write it. And what are you saying these (laughs) days? (laughs) So the hotel, when it opened, had 298 rooms. All of them had windows and phones, but only 178 of them had their own bathrooms, with the rest sharing one down the hall.
0: Ooh. I mean, I think that might be how, it, was that how it was then?
1: It was, that. that's how it was back then. Okay. And apparently there were large rooms too, with the Detroit News reporting that, quote, There has not been a hotel built in this country in the last five years that has rooms of equal average size that with those in this hotel. Mm-hmm. I like wrote a comment here. Like you'd think with newspapers being such a manual process right now, they like during this time that they might want to be a bit more succinct with their wording, but (laughs) they never are. And this was also the first hotel to be dressed by Tiffany Studios, which was an offshoot of Tiffany and Co in New York. Okay. Which kind of was like you'd bring them in to kind of
0: like interiors. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's quiet elegance as they described it. Oh, Just some more weird quotes describing the building from the Detroit News Tribune, quote, Anyone who goes into the Ponchar train and expects to be dazzled with shining things and glittering things and glaring things, anyone who expects that everything he sees will shout money at him is doomed to disappointment. The hotel was not built and furnished on that plan. Everywhere one goes in the hotel, he finds evidences of good taste and artistic repression. The hotel was decorated to meet the taste of people who know what beautiful is. Wow. Yeah. And then the Times had this quote about the ladies' parlor. Quote, One of the coziest ladies' retiring rooms ever conceived. It was precisely the kind of place a woman who is fond of what is dainty and delicate would like to take a quiet (laughs) breakfast in.
0: I only take my breakfast in something... Quiet and dainty, please.
1: If it's not quiet and dainty, how am I supposed to eat my toast in peace?
0: And my uh, soft-boiled egg. Yes. In that little egg-cuppy thing. I don't know what it's called.
1: The (laughs) egg-cup. Uh, their they so the hotel was apparently known for their dances and French onion soup. That was like two Brad. of the big claims to fame. I uh, love a French onion yeah, soup. Yeah, me too. French onion
0: soup. Me too. I and I can't think of like one in the city now that's phenomenal. I mean, I th- think they exist places, but I have n- I have yet to find. Oh, yeah, this is the French onion soup of Detroit. I don't know that there needs if to be if anyone
1: but... knows the French onion soup of Detroit. Yeah. Please let us know. Yeah.
0: I like those frozen ones from Trader Joe's. Oh, I didn't know they had those. Yeah, it's not a Trader Joe's product, though. I've just never seen them anywhere else. Yeah. But they sell them. They come in like a two-pack. And I think they're like, you know, four bucks or something like that for a two-pack. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Two-pack, not two-pack. Yes.
1: Uh, (laughs) Not to be confused. No. (laughs) Although I'm sure he loved soup.
0: Maybe. I don't know. Possibly. But yeah, for like a microwave soup, they're pretty good. We. And they're vegetarian, which is interesting too. Is regular, I guess, not. It's usually beef stock. That makes sense. Mm-hmm.
1: I guess it'd be easy enough to make a vegetable stock for that, though. Yeah, especially yeah, a lot of onions.
0: I mean, stock is salty water. They do. They yep. have slight differences, and like a homemade one's going to be very different than you know store yeah. bought or whatever. So they're, I'm not saying they're all taste the same, but oftentimes, yeah, it doesn't matter that much.
1: Yeah. So apart from the French onion soup, it was also across the street from City Hall. And so it kind of got the nickname City Hall Annex because People all the politicians there. which kind of walk across the street to the bar mm-hmm. that was there. Whiskey was 15 cents and beer was mm-hmm. 10. And there were over 300,000 types of smokes in the ades- adjacent cigar shop. That's a lot. No girls allowed.
0: Uh, of course. Yeah.
1: And it was not only a bar for politicians, but a lot of big names in the auto industry would meet there, too. The Punch, which was just a nickname for it at the time, too, because Punch Our Train is way too long. Mm -hmm. So the Punch was coming up at the same time of the auto industry. And it was kind of, you know, it made sense that it was the hot spot in town. So all the people in automotive would meet there. and, Mm -hmm. And it was where you would go to hear all the hot goss in the auto industry. Okay. I have a quote from the Detroit News. The punch was the meeting place for the men who made motors hum. Magnets and financiers, crackpots and geniuses, salesmen and go-getters.
0: There's something about the men that made motors hum yeah. that just tickles me because I apparently have a dirty brain or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just oh, like, no, okay. I definitely yep. thought it too. do. Okay.
1: So I also have a quote from Alfred P. Sloan of GM Notoriety.
0: What a name.
1: Yeah. I think there's definitely a street named after him in the tech center. Okay. The Pasha Train was where most motor car gossip was heard first. Even on ordinary days, when the crowd thinned out of the dining room, the tables would be covered with sketches, crankshafts, chassis, details of motors, wheels, and all sorts of mechanism. Partnerships were made and ended there. New projects were launched. And then another quote. It wasn't a sign you had had one too many if you saw four or five men trundle a heavy piece of machinery into the bar, put it on the table, and set it in motion. Not in the poncho train. Oh, okay. So it was kind of just like this like weird like bar-slash-workshop where people would just kind of like, I don't That's know how to make this work. Yeah, yeah, right? And just names of some of the people that would go there. The, the Dodge Brothers, Horace and John. Mm-hmm. William Durant of GM. Louis Chevrolet. The Lelands of Cadillac. Mm. And Ford would visit, but he would not drink. He was just there for the business.
0: I don't think he drank in general. That sounds about right. I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I know we covered him, but it's been a second. Yeah. So
1: also a man by the name of Albert Champion who uh he pitched the porcelain spark plug there and that made him rich. Good for him. Yeah. And this this is just like the place you re- like had to be if you want to make cars. Yeah. Just at this bar in the poncho train.
0: It's interesting. I feel like that's how a lot of things kind of used to be. And not to say yeah. there's not places like that now, but I feel like it's it's oh. all it's the internet. I mean, like yeah. <laughs> that's oh, where yeah. everything happens. And it's interesting that there's not these physical yeah. locations.
1: Yeah. And it's weird that it ended up being this hotel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We'll get to that in a minute of when it wasn't the hotel anymore. Okay. So in 1909, work began on a five-story addition to the Punch. George Mason was brought back to design it. I forgot to mention he designed the first one.
0: Mm-hmm. And and also, um, wasn't he the? We covered it together. In an episode.
1: Oh, uh, the Masonic Temple. Thank you. Wasn't yes. he the
0: Masonic Temple architecture? Architecture architect. Yeah.
1: Yes. So this was his heyday. Yeah. He, was, he was Albert Kahn before Albert Kahn was Albert Kahn. Mm-hmm. And he he mentored Albert Kahn.
0: Too. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about that. He was
1: one of the earlier episodes Alfred Kahn. I remember doing him a while ago. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. It made sense that he was brought back for the addition because his original plan for the building was to be 14 stories. Mm-hmm. But they're like, you know what? We need, Let's make it five. So the building is now 15 stories tall after this addition. And it also provided the building with a lot of much-needed flair because it was just kind of the, the original, the outside was just kind of plain. It was okay. kind of like there. Mm-hmm. And so some additional amenities the addition would add would be a two-story convention hall on the 11th floor, four private dining rooms, an extra 150 rooms. And the price tag for it came in at around 400000 or about $10 million today.
0: Okay, so half, a little under half of the cost of the original structure.
1: Yeah. Uh, The edition was finished by spring of 1910, which was perfect because it was just in time for the like convention season. Nice. And they called it a skyscraper and a skyscraper because they like. That was scraping the sky then. Yeah. Like they're like 10 stories, five more. my God. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So these were the heydays of the Panther Train, but now we're going to kind of start to get towards it no longer being. Okay. So it all started in 1913 when the president of Packard Motor Car Company, Henry B. Joy, started to complain that the only place these men of the auto industry had was the saloon on Woodward to meet. Like, like, we need to organize a club. We need to, you know, have Mm -hmm. another space. And then two years later, the Detroit Athletic Club opened up.
0: Oh, yeah. I know her.
1: Yeah. So the auto barons at the time were like, deuces punch. Let's go to the DAC. Okay. And the Ponch was also starting to get competition as the city was rapidly expanding at the time, you know, mm-hmm. crazy growth in the early 1900s. And the Ponch just kind of ended up being a victim of the times. Things were changing so quickly that the new hotel innovations had like practically rendered it obsolete already. Like yeah. basically, the minute it opened, it was obsolete.
0: Yeah, like driving a car off the lot.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Michigan Manufacturer and Financial Record wrote, quote,
0: the history of the Hotel
1: Poncho Train, although brilliant, was destined to be brief. Its erector is built well, but not wisely. Detroit had grown around it and then ahead of it. Mm, mm-hmm. In the 13 years since the hotel had opened, the city had grown another 150%, getting closer to like a million people. Wow. And it was getting much more modern in this time, which would be the downfall of the Punch. Mm-hmm. It's old school opulence that had defined the hotel when it opened was now the reason most people avoided it. It seemed like old fashioned, quaint, you know, out mm. of t- it's out of times.
0: My grandma used to go there. Yeah. So, no.
1: It's old. Mm-hmm. They're like, they don't even have bathrooms in every
0: room. No. And it smells like old. Yeah. Even though it doesn't smell like anything, I'm just going to say it smells like old.
1: Right. So this time it's like. Like, especially because it's not even 10 years old at this point. And people are like, oh, it's old fashioned. Yeah, that's
0: wild. And I mean, like, also with so many people moving into the city at that point in time, too, everybody was new to the city. <laughs> like, right? it wasn't like, oh, I've seen this thing for my whole life. And, yeah, always, you know, it was new to everybody. Right. And, like, I feel like
1: this was kind of the fate of a lot of, like, skyscrapers, mm-hmm. quote unquote, built around this time. Because, like, I remember watching... This, like, short documentary about the Singer building in, Detro- or, um, in New York that mm-hmm. was kind of like built in the early 1900s. And just like skyscrapers built then were kind of like, let's take this, like, 1800s building ideas and just supersize it. Make it, taller. it wasn't, yeah, yeah, it wasn't like
0: updated. Yeah, they
1: mm-hmm. kind of like, they had new technology, but they didn't know how to use it yet. Yeah. And so it would, like, even having like 400 switchboards in the basement. Or, like, I think the Singer building had like a power plant, even because yeah. there wasn't a power plant in the city big enough for it.
0: Well, and even too, with everything growing at that rapid rate, how many hotels open within that time period as yep. well? Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, that's what, like literally was my next point. And like, it was only as exacerbated in 1915 when the Statler Hotel opened down the street at Grand Circus oh, yeah. Park. Mm-hmm. It was 18 stories and boasted over twice the number of rooms, and all of them had their own bathroom. Much better. And they were even offering some kind of, like, proto-air conditioning, which was, like, just running ice water through pipes. I was
0: going to say, a person running by with a fan.
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) Throwing ice cubes at you. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, so it was, like, other hotels were popping up around it that were, like, much more modern, even though they were only, like, eight years, ten years newer than them.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, just... Too much growth and bad timing, basically, it sounds like.
1: Yeah. And like, so the Ponch had lost the title of Detroit's best hotel and the industry that it helped grow, the auto industry, would now be its downfall. It okay. just everything springing up modern around it. Mm-hmm. And just like the design and the layout of the hotel made it impossible to be pretty much anything else. And the land underneath it, being campus marshes, had like really grown in value. So really anything other than demolishing it starting over didn't make much sense. Mm-hmm. So it was like, they said it was like built like a tank. Like, yeah, all because, that steel. Yeah. So really changing it would have been very impractical.
0: Yeah.
1: It just, it was determined that it wasn't feasible and that it would have to be completely taken down or replaced by a new 25 story office structure, which we now know is the first national building.
0: Yeah. I've been in there. Yeah.
1: There's a great coffee shop in there. I, think I was going to say, yeah, yeah. There's, there's coffee. That's roasting plant, I think, right?
0: I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: So the punch got a few last minutes in the sun as demolition was delayed until other accommodations could be built, but would close for good on January 31st, 1920. Okay. So they did give it like a little bit of time, like, all right, we can't take out this much accommodation in the city quite yet. So we're going to wait for a couple of the projects to finish. So the psychopaths in the last night were just kind of like, you know, it'd be great. Let's have a bonfire inside. So oh. they just kind of smashed up furniture and piled it in the middle of the room and set it ablaze, blaze and people danced around it.
0: Wow! Yeah, that I'm like, sounds dangerous. It sure does. I'm like,
1: anytime someone's like, "Let's start a fire inside." Yeah, you know what? Let's start that fire with the furniture in this room.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe I've look around. Been to outside bonfires where people have burned furniture, right? Uh, but never, never indoors. Like
1: they were just tempting fate, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, the smoke inhalation alone. <laughs> right. I was just like, this isn't is crazy. that actually like more dangerous than like? The fire, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, structural things can happen with the fire that are awesome. Because you're inside! But, yeah. I
1: don't get it. These people. But it, like, fittingly was like a funeral pyre for old Detroit. Because, again, mm. this was like a transitionary era of, like, small town to booming city. Yeah. And this was kind of, like, a Caught in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So demolition only took 90 days despite being one of the largest demolitions in the country's history at the time. Oh. And in a nice... Uh, eco-friendly twist, 95% of the steel was salvaged as well as much of the brick.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so the hotel Pontra Train that you probably know of uh, was built in 1965. It was being built and at the time they're like, we need a name. Let's have a naming contest. And so people were like, oh, let's name it Caroline after the president's dead daughter because this was Kennedy times mm-hmm. or like, oh, let's name it this or that. Then someone was like, Pontra Train. Okay. And they want a Buick for giving the name Poncho
0: Train. Good for them. Yeah,
1: and so the name lives on.
0: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't by whoever owns it until later. Yeah. Year, I'm assuming because yeah, I think that's what happens with a lot of those hotels—is they're you know Marriott buys it or whoever. Yeah. So then they're just like, well, we don't want to ruin the name, but right. We also want you to know we're a Marriott now or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a good
1: compromise, but yeah. yeah so. It's just crazy that this like massive hotel mm-hmm. that was like pretty pivotal, it sounds like in a lot of like the early auto industry days. Yeah. Just like 13 years. That's all it got.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what happens with like massive change so quickly. Yeah. There's it begets other massive change really yeah. quickly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, real quick, my oh, sources: yeah. uh, HistoricDetroit.org and Wikipedia.
0: Okay, nice. Yeah, do you love it, de- uh, Historic Detroit?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like big shout out to them. They, yeah. Like I love their website. Yeah. So it's all about like buildings and architecture a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Kind of deep yeah. dive. And Detroit
0: that. Historical Society. Not to yeah. leave them out too. I also enjoy their.
1: Yeah. Their
0: information. Yeah. As well, they're both great.
1: Yes. So that's the story.
0: Excellent. Thank you. No
1: problem. Okay.
0: We're going to sidebar really quick because I forgot to tell you we did get an email. Oh, okay. Fun. So we got an email from listener Shannon and they said, hey there, Flinttown here. Love your show. Just an FYI regarding episode 135. Consumption is the old term for tuberculosis. As I'm a new listener, I don't know if you mentioned that in a different episode. Have a great day. Thank uh, you. Yeah, because we were yeah. talking about how... um, What's her face passed away? Consumption. And the, yeah. And the asylum was consumption. And we didn't mention in that episode. I don't I definitely thought we've it. We talked to. Yeah, I yeah. thought it too. And I don't know why I didn't say tuberculosis. Maybe because yeah. it's come up a few times, I believe. Yeah.
1: But it's a good reminder that yeah. like people exactly. might be jumping in.
0: I was like, oh, I should have said, yeah. <laughs> AKA tuberculosis. Yeah. So, Shannon, Thanks, I just want to say thank you. Yeah. Thanks for writing in and thank you for reminding, of, reminding us of that. Yeah. And we appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, would you like to play Two Truths and a Lie? I absolutely would. Okay, good. So today's Two Truths and a Lie is about an activity. Okay. And that activity is camping.
1: Oh, uh, I yeah. love camping.
0: Just, I've been thinking about camping a lot. I hope to do it this summer. I have one trip for sure. We're going to go on a trip.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, I'm also in a show tomorrow about camping. So yes. it's just on my, the forefront of my mind. Yes. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to find interesting facts about camping, but I found some.
1: I told someone recently that I like camping, going camping. And they were like, I really kind of pictured you as a city boy. I'm like, kind of, but people city can people be different. Love camping though, yeah, I
0: love, I love the um, the differences of it. Yeah, like I, I like the different experiences of it. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily want to live in the woods. I don't think I'm a live in the woods person, but I love to go to the woods.
1: Every once in a while, I get like, tempted. Like I should go buy a place in the middle of the woods and just be. Like grow things, make things, and then just work from home.
0: I mean, I want to live in a van. So <laughs> yeah. I don't want to live in the same woods. I just want to go to different ones. And then sometimes a the city. You can come visit me in my woods. Yeah. I would totally visit you in your woods. Absolutely. You come visit keep my me little hippie you. commune. I would love it. I would stay for like a month. Oh, absolutely. So anyway, some things. Yes. Fact number one. The most expensive campsites in the world cost a whopping $6,200 Canadian. Fact number two. Trying to get a selfie with animals is now the number one way people die in national parks. Mm. Fact number three. Crickets are actually weather people. Okay. I didn't want to say weathermen. No, I like that.
1: Yeah. Just Meteorologists.
0: Oh, you're wrong. Okay, scratch it. Crickets are actually meteorologists. Okay. Nature's meteorologists.
1: I believe that one is true. So I'm between one and two. I'm gonna go with one being the lie, because I do think people are stupid enough that many of them are dying trying to get selfies with animals.
0: One is the truth. Damn. Uh they're in I might say this wrong. Cleo kuat wilderness resort in vancouver island canada okay and there are on specific weekends in particular and i will this is a glamping thing i didn't specify that but it's not as much glamping as you would think for 6200 like it looks nice but you know it's still like it's more of like a yurt you know kind of glamping thing not like a
1: bougie real bougie camping. yeah so
0: it was very interesting uh i looked it up very briefly but yeah i think like their cheapest are like three thousand dollars a night or something like that that's crazy they have all these different
1: ones yeah i used to pay like 20 bucks
0: yeah that's
1: kind of that's that's my that's my time and that camping. even
0: feels a little right bougie sometimes i'm like well, oh, like 15 yeah i remember when i was like 10 yeah <laughs> I think like the state forests are still like 10 or 12. That's nice. (laughs) Something like that. I don't know. But yeah.
1: Okay. I'm going to go with number two next.
0: Okay. Number two is definitely a lie. And getting killed by wildlife is actually one of the rarest ways to die while camping at a national park. Okay. The most common causes of death while camping in national parks, though, are one, drowning. Makes sense. Two, car accident. That one makes less sense. Mm -hmm. Often, though, those are caused... I read this in another place from people coming from different countries and not being accustomed to driving on the that right side of the road as now. opposed to the left side of the road.
1: Yeah.
0: And then number three, falling.
1: Also makes sense.
0: Number four, suicide.
1: Mm, also yeah. makes sense.
0: Yeah. I know. Like very sadly makes sense. Uh, and number five is other, which I'm not sure what that means, but I'm assuming things that are just.
1: That's for selfies with animals falls. Yeah.
0: Off. Well, I was saying, and also probably like cardiac arrest and like you know, regular yeah. things. It just happens that they're in a national
1: Obducted park. To by a UFO. Murder. Yeah.
0: Oh <laughs> that things. makes me so sad. Uh and men are more likely to die while camping than women. I'm sorry to say. Makes sense. Yeah, it didn't surprise me. Yeah.
1: They'll be like, I don't know if I should do that. Men are like, I can do it. <laughs>
0: They account for nearly 75% of camping deaths in the U.S. national parks.
1: Again, not
0: shocked. Not Mm -hmm. even the slightest. No, I wasn't either. Uh, And so that brings us to number three. Crickets are weather people, Uh meteorologists. And basically, you can calculate the temperature by listening to their chirps. I had a feeling you would kind of know this one if you didn't fully know this one. But you can count the number of chirps you hear in 14 seconds, then add the number 40, and that's the degrees in Fahrenheit.
1: That's really good to
0: know. I know, isn't that fun? Yeah. Although I don't know how. I guess you would have a timer on. Yeah. Oh, for, for the sure. 14 seconds. Like taking
1: your pulse. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, I do have a few other fun facts because yes. I couldn't stop. Uh, fires, like a campfire, if you leave it for hours, can actually reach over 900 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Which is real hot, so be careful. Yeah. Of course, camping is good for mental health. We know that outdoor activities absolutely. Yeah, they can raise your levels of oxygen, serotonin, and melatonin. Yeah, I didn't know about melatonin, but I was like, it does make sense. I just didn't know about it. Yeah, so it reduces stress, and one of the most effective day- ways to reset a clock is to go camping. Like your natural yeah, that makes you know, a lot of sense uh, Before tents were used for recreation, they were basically survival necessities. The first evidence of a tent construction can be traced as far back as 40,000 BC. Mm-hmm. The father of modern out the modern outdoor movement, as we know it, is widely considered. There's some debate, a little bit here and there, but author, preacher, and sportsman William H. H. Murray. Okay. He published a book in 1869 on camping called "Adventures in the Wilderness" or "Camp Light in the Adirondacks." Which means camping accessible to the masses for the first time. That makes sense. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And according to Terence Young, who's an author of Heading Out A History of American Camping, the word camp was probably inspired by military encampments because that's kind of what the yeah. previous use was. By the 1880s, a lot of people started camping uh-huh. and it was probably connected to the late Victorian craze for what was called the pleasure boating.
1: Oh, yes. You know. Yes.
0: Uh and basically early camping equipment was really heavy, so you wouldn't really be bringing it on your back or anything like that. So they needed some sort of craft like a watercraft. Yeah. to be able to transport it around. And it took off as a leisure pursuit. I love these descriptions. Leisure, leisure pursuit in po- uh post World War 1. Okay. And basically it was adopted by Robert Baden-Powell's scout movement, which I think boy scouts. Probably. But it soon became a popular way to, like, take a really cheap vacation. Yeah. Yeah. So people were like, <laughs> heck yeah. During the n- early 1900s, it was also the establishment of the U.S. Forest Service and National Park Service, uh-huh. which also kind of, like, led way to there being more exploration for the common person, you know, to go and do it. Yeah. And the emergence of Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, as mentioned, and then the growing popularity of organizations like the YMCA. Yeah. So, and also CARS. Yeah. More people had cars as time went on. So you could you could get farther. And then just because I couldn't not mention it because it came up in one of the articles. Have you ever heard of the Delitov Pass? No. So it is an incident. There is many a podcast out there. It is incredibly weird. uh uh-huh. And it's one of the strangest camping mysteries in history. And this is when in Russia, nine students went out camping in the mountains in the pass, the yeah. Delatov Pass. And they were inexplicably slaughtered. Oh, my God. Yeah. There were bodies found. Full, some of the bodies were found fully closed. Some were naked. Some had very weird internal injuries. Some of them had uh, traces of radiation, which was very strange. Oh, my God. For the middle of nowhere. And one was missing their tongue and eyes. And it to this day is a very unsolved thing. Nobody knows what happened. Some people blame it on the supernatural or paranormal. I think it's been disproven that it was any kind of like Wildlife because of like the circumstances, yeah. And there was like weird. I can't remember exactly this article did mention it, it, but there was like a weird thing. Like somebody had taken off like some form of like a shirt or shoes or something. Some form of clothing had been taken off and like specifically left.
1: Yeah, that you wouldn't
0: like do that. And yeah, so interesting. If uh, anybody's looking for a rabbit hole, yeah, I've been down that rabbit hole a few times. I might go down it again because. It's been a second and clearly the facts are a little fuzzy, but Yeah. I couldn't not throw it in, so. Absolutely. And these came from really great reputable sources. CampJellyStone.com. Love it. Uh, factretriever.com and justfunfacts.com.
1: Just fun Just facts. fun
0: facts. Get your boring facts out of here.
1: Only fun ones.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you for that. I'm yeah. just so excited to go camping now.
0: Yeah, I know. We do.
1: Oh, it's raining today.
0: I don't mind camping in the rain as long as you're set up beforehand. Yeah, that's true. I've had, I mean, I've been on many uh, rain camping trips and it doesn't. Same. As long as it's not like freezing, freezing, freezing cold. Yeah. That's not pleasant. But yeah.
1: Other than that. Because summer rain isn't bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And even if you do have to set up and take down the rain, it's more annoying on the other end when you have to clean the tent. But
1: yeah. Oh, for sure.
0: That's the only time I'm really like, Ooh.
1: yeah. Well, I think that wraps us like a tent in a bag. Perfect. Sometimes you can get it back in the bag.
0: Yeah. You know what? I, when I was camping with Lisa sh- last year, she got a pop-up tent uh-huh. and it just looks like a big cooler hoop when it's in the bag and it, it folds up and it is kind of tricky for two seconds, but you always get it back in that bag. If you can close it. <laughs>
1: That sounds lovely. It always fits in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So if you want to find us on our social media, we are at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Tweet. Yes. tweet. Uh, we are Detroit Strange at gmail.com. If you want to write us. Yeah. And it's really fun to get something. mail. Yeah.
1: And then if you want to support the show, the free easy way to do it, subscribe, rate, review, five stars, five stars, please we'll read five-star reviews. We'll read five-star reviews. And there's always our thread list if you want some swag. And our Patreon. We have some exclusive content up there. And
0: we're working on some exclusive content. Yeah. If the there's, people come, I think mean, there's stuff
1: in there right now.
0: There's a few things in there right now. The more Patreon.
1: Yeah. Uh, the more interest, the more we'll make it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. But I think. Until next time. Stay, stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Stacks and Violence.